0: peace of Christ be with you. Give yourself the gift of about three deep breaths to allow yourself to become aware of the presence of the Spirit and so that you can feel yourself held by this house of Friends, let us worship in beloved community.
1: Please rise in body your spirit for the call to worship. Call us to you, O God, and that we might find, find shelter in, in your, your care. care. Speak your promise right into our hearts. I trust in your Shore up the fragile places in our souls, that we might we have, have the have strength. strength to carry.
2: Welcome to worship this morning, however long or short a time you've been coming here. This is a place where we seek to be in beloved community. We seek to grow in the spirit and we seek to equip ourselves to serve. So welcome, let's join together in our community prayer. Let us pray. God of promise, God of justice, God, in every time, it can be hard to find your presence in the world where there is so much suffering. We can get lost in looking at what is wrong, unfair, and tragic. Without ignoring the troubles of the world, help us to step back and see pictures of progress, glimpses of promise. Help us, too, in Faith, that your way will prevail, and we can uh, uh, giving uninhibited in our witnessing for what's right, and unabashed in our hope. Friends, Psalm number ten says, "For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. In this, we can have hope. Amen." I want
3: to invite? Any of our children who are worshiping today, to come down and join me at the front. So I have to tell you, I'm really lucky because right now I have a lot of good friends. Uh, I wasn't always that lucky. Uh, There were times where I felt really lonely, um, where I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends. Maybe uh, I made a bad choice and hurt somebody's feelings, and they didn't want to be my friend. Uh, Or maybe they made a bad choice and hurt my feelings really bad, and I didn't want to be their friend. Uh, But I'm really lucky now because I have a lot of good friends, and two of them are sitting next to me. And that's Morty and Lila. They are brother and sister. And I t- And when I thought about friends, sometimes I would think, because I would pray and I would say, God, why don't I have many friends? Or God, what happened to my friends? And sometimes I would pray, God, what makes a good friend? And you know, people ask Jesus that question a lot. And he would answer with stories, interestingly. He wouldn't give a direct answer. He would answer with stories. So I brought my friends Morty and Lila here to help me tell a story about that. And so I just want you to know this is a pretend story, that what I'm saying about Lila and Morty is not really necessarily true, although hopefully it's not in the future either. So we all went on a trip, uh, because that's what friends do, and we went on this pretend trip to somewhere really cool. Lila, where did we go on our pretend trip? Morty, where did we go? on our pretend trip? Cancun, San Francisco? Which one? Cancun? Bora Bora. Bora Bora, Which is a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. So we went to Bora Bora, and it's a long distance, and it was an awesome trip. It was a big trip. And when we got there, do you know what Lila did? She took all my money. She took all my money and then went and had a pretend party. She pretend took all my money and then she pretend had a party for herself and all her friends. And guess what? Her pretend party, she didn't even invite me and Morty to come to the pretend party. Lila. Well, eventually Lila ran out of money. And then when she ran out of money, she came back and she said, Jeff, I'm really sorry that I took all your money. Can we still be friends? What do you think I would say? Well, guess what? Jesus told a very similar story. And for those of you who are in third through fifth grade, you're going to get to find out what the answer to that question is. But I almost forgot. Because there was another person in the story, someone that doesn't maybe get noticed as much, because he always makes such good choices, and he's always such a good guy, and that's Morty. (laughs) And so when Lila came back after taking all my, after pretend, taking all my pretend money, and then she said, can I be friends again? What do you think Morty said? No. No. Well, I think the question behind that is, what does it mean to be a good friend? And does God forgive us when we make mistakes like that? When we hurt people's feelings or when we hurt God's feelings? What does that look like? Well, our sacred stories, friends, you're going to hear a similar story to that also. But it's a little different. It's not friends. It's neighbors. And what if they were neighbors instead of friends? Would that make it any different? No. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Let's go out follow our teachers out the door. Go, go, down, go
2: join together now in a time of prayer, and as we begin this, I'd ask you, since it's a bidding prayer, to think of people or situations or places that have been on your mind and heart, and to, at a couple of times in the prayer when I give an invitation, you're invited to call them out and not worry if others are doing so at the same time, because we are in the spirit of prayer together. So let's take a moment of silence and then have a prayer together. Let's pray. Confident in your presence, God, we bring our needs to you today. We pray for the leaders of our church, Westminster, our pastors, our elders, our deacons, and others who have stepped up to serve this congregation and support its mission. We thank you for their energy and their commitment and their leadership. Lord, we pray for the places in the world where your spirit is absent, distant, where compassion and care is missing. And hear us as we name those places or situations that are on our hearts and minds today. Lord, hear us. Lord, we pray for family and friends and others that we know to be suffering from some reason, whether illness or grief or anything else. And hear us now as we call out their names. Lord, hear us. God, hear us also for those names that we may not call out, but that we hold silently in our hearts. In this world, we pray for any who seek to alleviate suffering and restore well-being, and we ask that they may be given hope and strength in their work. As always, we pray for our own society, our own country, and we ask that leaders listen to the people and listen with open hearts and minds and recognize the desires of people for life and freedom and health and safety. And we ask that the spirit of compassion and justice be with us as citizens that we may not be discouraged but find ways to be together and to act and to create change. In our society we pray for anyone who is experiencing disrespect, dehumanization, and hurt, or who are injured by a history of these things. We ask that healing and help and restoration continues to occur. We pray for this earth, our home, this fragile place, the web of life. We give thanks for each person and company and government that seeks to act and protect this place that you have given us. Holy One, we ask you to hear these prayers that we offer in faith through our Lord Jesus. And we pray together the prayer that he taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, amen. hallowed be thy name, thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. not into nation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
4: Was there purpose for the pain, or did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear, I want to trust that you are here.
5: Trust a grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy. Soul,
4: in the depth of my soul. I have this
5: hope
4: in the depths of my soul, in the flood or the fire, you're with me to you won't let go.
5: Yes, I have this hope.
4: When I hear you call my name I still believe that one day I'll see your face And I have this thought In the depths of my soul In the flood or the fire You're with me I have His Son In the depths of my soul
1: Today's scripture reading is the 37th Psalm. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in the Lord, and the Lord will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light, and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land, and delight in abundant prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous, and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked. He sees their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows and bring down the poor and needy to kill those who walk uprightly. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is a little that the righteous person has than the abundance of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will abide forever. They're not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked perish, and the enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish, like smoke they vanish away.
2: Our reading continues. The wicked borrow and do not pay back, but the righteous are generous and keep giving. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, that those cursed by him shall be cut off. Our steps are made firm by the Lord when she delights in our way. Though we stumble, we shall not fall headlong, for the Lord holds us by the hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are ever giving liberally and, and lending and their children shall become a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his faithful ones. The righteous shall be kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and live in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues seek justice. The law of the Lord is in their hearts. Their steps do not slip. The wicked watch for the righteous and seek to kill them. The Lord will not abandon them to their power or let them be condemned when they are brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep in her way and she will exalt you to inherit the land and you will look on the destruction of the wicked. I have seen the wicked oppressing and towering like a cedar of Lebanon. Again I passed by and they were no more. Though I sought them, they could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for their posterity is the peaceable. Their transgressions shall be utterly destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take their refuge in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: The quote on the cover of your bulletin reads, Look at the facts of the world. You see a continual and progressive triumph of the right. I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve. Incomplete the figure by the experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. But from what I see, I am sure it bends. Toward justice. That quote has been an inspiration and has been associated with some of the great movements of human society. And it seems to be stating the very theme that you heard in that psalm a moment ago. Heard as a refrain, time and again, in so many words that. Things work out for good. And therefore, there is good reason to be good and to do good, trusting in that reality. Listen to just a few select lines from that psalm again. Do not fret because of the wicked. Trust in the Lord and do good. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in the Lord and the Lord will act. Wait patiently a little while, and the wicked will be no more. The meek shall inherit the land, or the earth. Now you know where Jesus got it. The Lord upholds the righteous, but the wicked perish. Depart from evil and do good. So you shall abide forever, for the Lord loves justice. The Lord will not forsake her faithful ones. Older Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann Classifies that as one of the Psalms of orientation, designated as such because it names the way the world ought to be. (coughs) Excuse me. The way the world should be oriented, the way things are supposed to be, namely that those who are wicked are held accountable, if not outright punished, and those who are good or do good are rewarded, and things just work out in the end. It's a marvelous promise, but it begs the question, is it true? Is it so? Is that really the way the world works? Because I confess I'm not always so sure, and I confess that I'm not necessarily an optimist. I use the language of confession uh, intentionally because I feel like we're supposed to be optimists, right? Were Phil Ackerman still here and sitting back there, he would probably have dragged me out to the parking lot by now. (laughs) Particularly as religious or spiritual people, are we not supposed to be optimists? New York Times columnist David Brooks in his book, The Road to Character, says that one of the characteristics of moral heroes is insane optimism. And I wonder if maybe I don't have the stuff to be a moral hero sometimes. It's not that I want to be wired that way. It's just that when I look out in the world and I see the suffering, it can be hard to come to that conclusion. The other night, I was up late watching televangelism. That's what I do. And (laughs) It's as an anthropological stu- I mean, it is just <laughs> And this one preacher was telling a story about a trip to South Sudan in a time of famine, And he gave the backstory to a photograph that has now become famous and eventually won the Pulitzer Prize. It's of a little boy uh, I think it was a boy, a little child on the ground, or sort a of desert scene. It's exactly what you imagine it to be. He's emaciated, swollen at the same time, clearly suffering from malnourishment and starvation, unable to stand, just sort of crawling along on the ground. That's not the startling part because we've grown accustomed, calloused to those kind of images. The startling, indeed haunting part is what you see in the background. Maybe you've seen it, it's of a bird over his shoulder a few feet back. It's a vulture. And it knows enough to simply wait because it knows that child will soon become carrion. How in that world can you be an optimist? And not all of us have troubles that dramatic, but there's plenty of trouble here too. Plenty of suffering, different scale for sure, but very real to the people who endure it. Lives trapped by any number of things, inability to experience joy or hope. Hard to feel optimistic sometimes in light of what we see in the world or what we see in ourselves. Now I know there's a difference between hope And optimism, optimism is your reasonable assessment of things based on the evidence in front of you. And hope is more about trust in what will ultimately prevail. And leaning in with your energy toward that trust, upon that trust. I've come to believe that faith is far more about the latter than it is about the former. And still there are some far smarter than I am, who would make the case based on evidence that things are actually getting better. They would say, take a step back and look at the big picture, which is just an aggregate of little pictures, and you'll see a a promising story. Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker wrote compellingly about... uh, the swath of human history and the uh, precipitous decline in violence. In fact, he says that even with its great and what I mean by great is awful wars of the last century, the 20th century was the least violent century in history. It's hard to get your head around. Swedish physician Hans Rosling has uh, gotten quite popular going on the road with his Gapminder Quiz. Maybe you've seen this. I know the men's group talked about this the other day. It's a quiz where he uh, asks people to weigh in on uh, uh, several indicators on how things are globally, and routinely people over describe how bad things are. In fact, he does this in a TED talk. It's it's quite clever. He'll he'll have the audience take the quiz and then he'll uh, compare their results next to a bunch of chimpanzees, and routinely the chimpanzees are more accurate. Now, there are critiques of Pinker's work, and I actually have some methodological questions about Rosling's quiz. And yet, it's hard for me to deny that there is some evidence here that things may not be as bad as I think they are. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but there's evidence chipping away at what I think to be so. It's hard to come to those conclusions when we're so bathed in the bad news, right? It sells, so we're going to have a lot more of it. We have access to a world of bad news in our palms all the time. Our leaders know this. They know that they can play upon our basis fears to manipulate us into some desired actions, so we're just soaked in this stuff all the time, so it's easy to give in to a pessimistic worldview. Well, even if you're not talking strictly about science, but you look to some of our great spiritual leaders, wouldn't you know that they too would point out that there is a good trajectory at hand. It's not just biblical, it's in leaders we've had since then. Teilhard d'Arshaden was uh, not only a spiritual leader, a Jesuit priest, but he was also a paleontologist, merging science and religion. And he spoke convincingly and adamantly about the fact that humanity was making progress toward a higher consciousness, that our evolution was continuing, that we were moving toward a greater unity. He was unabashed in this, in his writings, his writings, which were incidentally buried until after he was dead. Why the church would have a problem with his optimism is a deeper question. But this is what he says in Building the Earth, which was published in 1965, 10 years after he died. The more I look at the world as a scientist, he says, the less I see any other possible biological result apart from its active and conscious unity. Life can progress on our planet in the future by throwing down the barriers which still wall off human activity And by giving itself up without hesitation, without hesitation, to faith in the future. That last caveat is critical, if you ask me, the notion that we must recognize human activity can't be walled off, but it's actually part of a larger unity. Talyard knew that faith in our constructed boundaries was misplaced and could be the source of our downfall, he proclaims summarily, quote, the age of nations is past. We are truly to progress into that higher consciousness. And even that opening quote that I pointed out to you is on at least one level an evidence-based claim. Sure, he says, I can't acknowledge to understand the full arc of the moral universe, even that the universe is moral at all. But he says, from what I see... From what I observe, I am sure that the arc bends towards justice. Now, I purposely left the attribution off that quote because I was curious to see how many of us knew from where it comes. It's Black History Month, and so perhaps you are thinking about this quote in relation to Martin Luther King, right? And you would be right. King time and again quoted that or paraphrased that notion of the arc of the moral universe bending toward justice. But The quote didn't originate with Martin Luther King. It originated with a man named Theodore Parker, a Unitarian Universalist pastor, famous for two quotes primarily, and that's the lesser of the two. You know what the other one was? The 19th century pastor who said that democracy is for all the people. No, I'm sorry, of all the people, by all the people, for all the people. I always trip up on it because that's not the version you tend to hear. The version you tend to hear is what Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. Lincoln got it from Parker. Parker was a brilliant man by any measure. By the age of 25, self-taught, he had learned 20 languages. He would preach to thousands on Sundays. He was a champion for justice, spoke out against slavery, spoke out against the pro-slavery Mexican War. And so you might assume he was celebrated in his time for his faithfulness. As Dominic is nodding, that's not the truth. He was roundly rejected, seen as a radical theologian, the only kind that's worth anything, if you ask me. (laughs) He routinely referred to God as father and as mother, 19th century. He denied the notion that the Bible had any miraculous authority. That one really got him in trouble. But what he said was, you would love the Bible so much more if you would just stop worshiping it. And I would argue you might learn a lot more from it if you would stop worshiping it. You might really encounter its sacred wisdom. So he was rejected. So pushed aside by the church that even though he drew those crowds I mentioned to you earlier, he had to preach his own installation service because no one else would do it. Isn't it nice when history vindicates some who got it right ahead of their time? Just like Talyard got it right ahead of his time. And in light of all the obstacles he faced and the rejection he encountered in his life, isn't it all the more remarkable that Parker would be known for his hopeful conviction, his surety, that there was a moral universe, and that it bent toward justice. Isn't that all the more remarkable? What was it about him? Was he simply able to look at the same suffering world that you and I see, maybe a harsher world, and yet see through it to this greater force at work, this greater story unfolding even through rough and difficult chapters? Wouldn't that be a spiritual practice to cultivate? The ability to see at work, even in the midst of suffering, some kind of healing taking shape. And maybe it was more than just his ability to see. In fact, maybe the way he saw was shaped by the way he lived, that he didn't just recognize there was an arc to the world that was bending toward justice, but he leaned into it at such an angle that it shaped the way he looked at things, that he gave his life over to aiding the bending of that arc toward justice. Maybe that's the invitation that Parker leaves us after all. You see, there's another line to that quote that I omitted from the cover of your bulletin. He says, things refuse to be mismanaged long. And because he knew that, he was unafraid to step into it and act as if it were already so. When I think of Black History Month, and I think of a hymn that we will sing at the close of today's worship, that great spiritual anthem that shows us how to look back at history and what we've gone through and what's been accomplished even with what still is yet to be accomplished as a way of drawing strength to not only watch it unfold passively, but to jump in and to lean in and to putting a little pressure on that arc ourselves. I'm left with just one question. Will we stay silent and let God's voice do all the talking? or like Parker will we have faith enough to lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Amen.
6: wonder what that ark looks like when we live with the heart of God. That's the inspiration behind this song.
5: Your eyes are on the lowly Though others look
6: away Your feet run to the broke Your hands are quick
4: to say, Make us like you, Lord. You walk with the forgotten and offer them a home, adopting the unwanted and calling them your own. Make us
5: like you, Lord. Oh, give us your heart, oh, give us your heart. Let the light of heaven shine as we step into the dark.
2: Oh, give
5: us your heart, oh, give us your heart. or oh, to see your kingdom come and death depart, oh, give us your heart. Like a river in the desert, let the nations go. That you will reign forever as the earth beholds the glory of the Savior and justice.
4: Lord, oh, give us your heart, oh, give us your heart. Let the light of heaven shine as we step into the dark. Oh, give us your heart. Oh, give us your heart.
5: Oh, to see your kingdom come and yet depart. Oh, give us your heart.
0: May be seated. At this time, I invite Elder Hugh West forward along with our new members to be received. Just, yeah. you bet. And new members, just go ahead and stand up here on the steps. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead and take a step up. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Mr. Moderator, the session received the following persons into the membership of this congregation. Jim and Pat Arcy, Maria and Dave
0: Barshoff. A question for our new and affiliate new members. Do you reaffirm your baptismal vows, vows that for some of you were made on behalf of you when you were but a little child, trusting in God's grace in Jesus Christ? and desire to become a part of the fellowship and ministry of this congregation? If so, please say, we do. do.
4: Will you please join me in the Congregational Covenant which is printed in your bulletin. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome these new members into this congregation. We promise to love, encourage, and support them and their families. We promise to share the good news of the gospel with them, to look for God's presence in them, and together to study, know, love, and serve Jesus Christ
6: whenever we welcome new members, we put candles on our communion table. Candles is a symbol that each of you is bringing your light, not only here to this congregation, but certainly you've been shining your light your whole lives out in the world. And we are just honored and grateful that you are now sharing your light here at Westminster. And we look forward to ways that together we can shine that light out in the world. In addition, we have a loaf of bread for each of your families. Whenever I offer this bread, I'm certainly reminded of Jesus sharing that last supper with his disciples. You know, he knew his life was going to end, and how did he choose to spend that last night? In community, you know, in community with these people who had been walking with him and doing ministry with him. So I hope as you take this bread home, you will feel welcomed now into this community where we can follow Jesus and help in doing his ministry together. And finally, we have, of course, our very official membership book that we will have you sign. So I invite you, maybe Jim and Pat, you can come over first um, and just sign your names here in our official membership book. Well, maybe you just sign first. No, no, that's not what I was saying. Trying to make it easy on them. Sign first and then get the bread. So that is, that is Jim and Pat. And you can just stay right here because we're going to pray for you as well. And we, then we have Dave and Maria also that we are welcoming today. And then, Maria, this is for you and Dave to enjoy we also, we know we welcome, usually we welcome adult members, but certainly we welcome your whole families as well. And, and the point of totally embarrassing him, I think your son is here with you as well, right? So we welcome you as well to our congregation.
0: Our hope is that you g- greet these new members uh, following the service, not just today, but week after week. Wear your name tags. They'll be wearing theirs. Tell, you, tell them your name the first three to five times you introduce themselves. <laughs> uh, invite them to lunch. Ask them to join a favorite thing that you do in this church. Because it's one thing to take the step to join, but it's quite another thing to really be fully integrated into the life of the community. And without that, it's just a lecture series, folks. It's not a church. So please, let's make that our collective project. And with that, let me offer this blessing. Let us pray. Gracious God, we stand before you in gratitude for those who stand before us this day. We know and honor that each of them has had a unique journey here. And we pause with just a moment of silence so they can give thanks in their hearts quietly for those who've been important figures along their way and all of us along our own. God, we know that we are richer together, so empower us to be a fitting church home. Help us to welcome these new members into the full life of this community. We pray these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Welcome. You may be seated.
6: So you can start meeting these new members right after worship. We have cake. We have cake and the... Some beverages provided by our Congregational Life Commission, so you're welcome to join us for that immediately following worship. We also welcome new members about once a season here at Westminster. If you are interested in exploring membership further in the spring, we will again have another new member orientation. Just let Robert me know if you're interested in that. And just to highlight a couple of things happening here in the life of the church, Um, on the back page, you'll notice that we are um, in the process of setting up a new online directory. Um, We often mail out paper directories, but I know they get lost and they get out of date. So we're trying to move it online so tomorrow you're gonna to be receiving an email and, an invitation to set up your account online. It doesn't mean yet that you can actually access our database one step at a time, but you can update your own account and make sure your contact info is correct and such before our database goes live. So again, you'll be receiving an email tomorrow with instructions about doing that on, online. And second, an announcement that's not in our bulletin. Uh, Most of you know at this point that we are gonna be undergoing a renovation soon. We're hoping to start maybe in the late summer. And one of the things that means is that we're gonna be losing some of our parking lot for probably about a year. And as you may have noticed, our parking lot's pretty darn full on Sunday morning. So losing some spaces is gonna be a challenge. Um, So Rob and I have devised an idea that we're going to challenge you all starting on March 10th for four weeks to see if we can make worship happen while using fewer parking spaces. Again, we're gonna do this during the month of March, starting. March 10th. So you have a few options. You could carpool. You could walk or ride your bike to church. Some of you who maybe enjoy going to the 830 service could perhaps for those four weeks in March go to the 830 service a little more regularly. We're going to be talking to Strawberry Point School to see if maybe we can use their parking lot. And there's a beautiful walking trail to come here to the church. Um, So just to see if we are able to make use of fewer parking spaces before we actually start renovating. So, you'll hear more about that, but in month of March, think green. I see Bob nodding his head already. You're gonna ride your bike, aren't you? Yes, all right.
0: Bethany forgot the threatening part.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be kind and gentle about this job. Because (laughs) if you don't,
0: what we'll do is we have to change the worship times next year to even out the services. So we'll move to a 9 and 11 o'clock schedule for a year, Sunday school at 9. So if you like things the way you are and you do go to a church, so you like things the way they are, (laughs) we will make sure the attendance doesn't dip because that doesn't count. Staying home.
6: Don't stay home. No, no.
0: Same level of attendance, more even, uh, non crowded parking lot, and you're off the hook next year.
6: Like, this is a little good cop, bad cop. There you go. Um, all right. So um, just one other thing. Um, Lent is beginning next week. It begins on Wednesday of next week. So we begin Lent with an Ash Wednesday service. That'll be on March 6, 930 here in the sanctuary. And then throughout Lent, four different Tuesdays of Lent, our Spiritual Life Commission is offering a variety of different spiritual practices on Tuesday evening. There is more information in the bulletin about that. Invite you to participate in those in ways that make sense for you. And now I invite you to join in singing our closing hymn. Stand as you are comfortable. 339.
0: Friends, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day.